0: Bless her heart, Hannah did not. Hello there, and welcome to the Lifespring Family Audio Bible. Coming to you from Riverside, California, podcasting since 2004, I'm your OG Godcaster, Steve Webb. This is the daily podcast where we are reading through the entire Bible in a year. Today we're going to read First Samuel chapters 1 through 5, and I'm calling the episode, the call. Here's a little bit of introduction. While this is still in the history section of the Old Testament, we're really making a transition from the time of the judges to what will be the time of the kings. First and second Samuel are not written by Samuel, but we do read about his life in the first few chapters of 1 Samuel. The balance of the two books is mostly about Kings Saul and David, who were both anointed by Samuel. Let's get started. 1 Samuel chapter 1. There was a certain man from Ramathaim Zophim of the hill country of Ephraim. His name was Elkanah, the son of Jeroam, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zoph, an Ephraimite. He had two wives. The name of one was Hannah. The name of the other was Peninnah. Peninnah had children, but Hannah had no children. This man would go from his city each year to worship and to give gifts on the altar in Shiloh to the Lord of all. Eli's two sons, Hophni and Phineas, were the Lord's religious leaders there. On the day when Elkanah killed animals on the altar in worship, he would give part of the gift to his wife Peninnah and to all her sons and daughters. But he would give twice as much to Hannah, for he loved Hannah. But the Lord had made it so she could not have children. Peninnah would try to make her very angry, because the Lord would not let her have children. So it happened, year after year, each time Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, Peninnah would make her angry. Hannah cried and would not eat. Then her husband Elkanah said to her, Hannah, why are you crying? Why are you not eating? And why is your heart sad? Am I not better to you than ten sons? Then Hannah stood up after they had eaten and drunk in Shiloh. Eli, the religious leader, was sitting on the seat by the door of the house of the Lord. Hannah was very troubled. She prayed to the Lord and cried with sorrow. Then she made a promise and said, O Lord of all, be sure to look on the trouble of your woman servant, and remember me. Do not forget your woman servant, but give me a son. If you will, then I will give him to the Lord all his life, and no hair will ever be cut from his head. While she was praying to the Lord, Eli was watching her mouth. Hannah was speaking in her heart. Her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. So Eli thought she had drunk too much. Eli said to her, How long will you be drunk? Put wine away from you. But Hannah answered, No, my lord, I am a woman troubled in spirit. I have not drunk wine or strong drink, but I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not think of your woman servant as a woman of no worth, for I have been speaking out of much trouble and pain in my spirit. Then Eli answered, Go in peace. May the God of Israel do what you have asked of him. And Hannah said, Let your woman servant find favor in your eyes. So she went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. The family got up early in the morning and worshipped before the Lord. Then they returned to their house in Ramah. Elkanah lay with his wife Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. The Lord made it possible for her to have a child, and when the time came she gave birth to a son. She gave him the name Samuel, saying, I have asked the Lord for him. Then Elkanah went up with all those of his house to give the Lord the gift on the altar in worship, as he did each year, and to pay what he had promised. But Hannah did not go, for she said to her husband, I will not go up until the child no longer needs to be nursed. Then I will bring him before the Lord to stay there forever. Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Do what you think is best. Stay here until he no longer needs to be nursed. Only may the Lord do as he has said. So Hannah stayed and nursed her son until he no longer needed to be nursed. When she had finished nursing him, she took him with her to the house of the Lord in Shiloh, and the child was young. She brought a three-year-old bull, one basket of flour, and a jar of wine also. Then they killed the bull and brought the boy to Eli. Hannah said, O my Lord, as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. I prayed for this boy, and the Lord has given me what I asked of him, so I have given him to the Lord. He is given to the Lord as long as he lives. and they worshipped the Lord there. First Samuel chapter two. Then Hannah prayed and said, "My heart is happy in the Lord. my strength is honored in the Lord. My mouth speaks with strength against those who hate me, because I have joy in your saving power. There is no one holy like the Lord. For sure there is no one other than you. There is no rock like our God. Speak no more in your pride. Do not let proud talk come out of your mouth. For the Lord is a God who knows. Actions are weighed by him. The bows of the powerful are broken, but the weak are dressed in strength. Those who were full go out to work for bread, but those who were hungry are filled. She who could not give birth has given birth to seven. But she who has many children has become weak. The Lord kills and brings to life. He brings down to the grave and he raises up. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low and he lifts up. He lifts the poor from the dust. He lifts those in need from the ashes. He makes them sit with rulers and receive a seat of honor. For what holds the earth belongs to the Lord. He has set the world in its place. He watches over the steps of his good people, but the sinful ones will be made quiet in darkness. For a man will not win by strength. Those who fight with the Lord will be broken to pieces. He will thunder in heaven against them. The Lord will decide about all people to the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king. He will give power to his chosen one. Elkanah went home to Ramah, but the boy served the Lord with Eli, the religious leader. The sons of Eli were men of no worth. They did not know the Lord. This is the way the religious leaders acted toward the people. When any man brought an animal to give to the Lord, the religious leader's servant would come with a meat hook in his hand, while the meat was hot. Then he would put it in the pot. The religious leader would take for himself all that the meat hook brought up. They did this to all the Israelites who came there to Shiloh. And before they burned the fat, The religious leader's servant would come and say to the man who brought the gift in worship, Give meat for the religious leader to make ready, for he will not take boiled meat from you, but only meat that has just been killed. But if the man says to him, Let them burn the fat first, then take as much as you want, then the religious leader's servant would say, No, give it to me now, and if not, I will take it from you against your will. So the sin of the young men was very bad before the Lord for the men hated the gift of the Lord. Now Samuel was serving the Lord, even as a boy, wearing a linen vest. Each year his mother would make him a little coat. She would bring it to him when she came with her husband to bring the gift in worship each year. Then Eli would pray that good would come to Elkanah and his wife, saying, May the Lord give you children from this woman in place of the one she gave to the Lord. Then they would return to their home. And the Lord visited Hannah. She gave birth to three sons and two daughters. The boy Samuel grew up to serve the Lord. Now Eli was very old. He heard all that his sons were doing to all Israel, and how they lay with the women who served at the door of the meeting tent. And he said to them, Why do you do such things, the sinful things I hear from all these people? No, my sons, the news is not good which I hear from the Lord's people. If one man sins against another, God will help make peace for him but if a man sins against the Lord, who can make peace for him? Yet they would not listen to what their father said, for it was the Lord's will to kill them. Now the boy Samuel grew and was in favor both with the Lord and with men. Then a man of God came to Eli and said to him, This is what the Lord says, Did I not let myself be known to those of your father's family when they were in Egypt, being made to work for Pharaoh's house? Did I not choose them from all the families of Israel to be my religious leaders, to go up to my altar, to burn special perfume, and to wear a linen vest before me? Did I not give all the gifts made by fire of the people of Israel to the family of your father? Why do you show no respect to my gifts which I have asked for, and honor your sons more than me? You make yourselves fat with the best part of every gift given in worship by my people Israel. So the Lord God of Israel says, I did promise that those of your family and the family of your father should walk before me forever. But now the Lord says, May this be far from me, for I will honor those who honor me, and those who hate me will not be honored. See, the days are coming when I will break your strength and the strength of your father's family. So there will not be an old man in your family. You will see the trouble of my family, even in all the good I do for Israel and an old man will not be in your family forever. But I will not destroy every man of yours from my altar. Some will be left to cry and be filled with sorrow, but all the children of your family will die in their best years. This will be the special thing that you will see. Your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, will both die on the same day. I will raise up for myself a faithful religious leader who will act by what is in my heart and mine. I will build him a family to last, and he will walk before my chosen one forever. Everyone who is left in your family will come and bow down to him for a piece of silver or a loaf of bread and say, I beg you, put me in one of the religious leaders' places so that I may eat a piece of bread. 1 Samuel 3. The boy Samuel was Eli's helper and served the Lord with him. At that time, the Lord did not speak directly to people very often. There were very few visions. Eli's eyes were getting so weak that he was almost blind. One night he went to his room to go to bed. The special lamp in the Lord's temple was still burning, so Samuel lay down in the temple near where the holy box was. The Lord called Samuel, and Samuel answered, Here I am. Samuel thought that Eli was calling him, so he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. So Samuel went back to bed. Again the Lord called, Samuel. Again Samuel ran to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. Eli said, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. Samuel did not yet know the Lord, because the Lord had not spoken directly to him before. The Lord called Samuel the third time. Again Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. Finally, Eli understood that the Lord was calling the boy. Eli told Samuel, Go to bed. If he calls you again, say, Speak, Lord. I am your servant, and I am listening. So Samuel went back to bed. The Lord came and stood there. He called as he did before, saying, Samuel, Samuel. Samuel said, Speak, I am your servant, and I am listening. The Lord said to Samuel, I will soon do things in Israel that will shock anyone who hears about them. I will do everything I said I would do against Eli and his family, everything from the beginning to the end. I told Eli I would punish his family forever. I will do this because Eli knew his sons were saying and doing bad things against God, but he failed to control them. That is why I swore an oath that sacrifices and offerings will never take away the sins of the people in Eli's family. Samuel lay down in bed until the morning came. He got up early and opened the doors of the Lord's house. Samuel was afraid to tell Eli about the vision. But Eli said to Samuel, Samuel, my son? Samuel answered, Yes, sir. Eli asked, What did God say to you? Don't hide it from me. God will punish you if you hide anything from the message he spoke to you. So Samuel told Eli everything. He did not hide anything from him. Eli said, He is the Lord. Let him do whatever he thinks is right. The Lord was with Samuel while he grew up. He did not let any of Samuel's messages prove false. Then all Israel from Dan to Beersheba knew that Samuel was a true prophet of the Lord. And the Lord continued to appear to Samuel at Shiloh. There he told Samuel what he wanted. 1 Samuel chapter 4 Then Samuel would announce the Lord's message to all the people of Israel. When Eli was very old, his sons lived more and more in a way the Lord considered evil. At that time, the Israelites went out to fight against the Philistines. The Israelites made their camp at Ebenezer. The Philistines made their camp at Aphek. The Philistines lined up their soldiers in front of the Israelites and began the attack. The Philistines defeated the Israelites. They killed about 4,000 soldiers from Israel's army. The rest of the Israelite soldiers went back to their camp, The elders of Israel asked, Why did the Lord let the Philistines defeat us? Let's bring the Lord's box of the agreement from Shiloh. God will go with us into battle and save us from our enemies. So the people sent men to Shiloh. The men brought back the Lord All-Powerful's box of the agreement. On top of the box are the cherub angels. They are like a throne where the Lord sits. Eli's two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, came with the box. When the Lord's box of the agreement came into the camp, all the Israelites gave a great shout loud enough to make the ground shake. The Philistines heard Israel's shout and asked, Why are the people so excited in the Hebrew camp? Then the Philistines learned that the Lord's holy box had been brought into Israel's camp. They became afraid and said, Gods have come to their camp. We're in trouble. This has never happened before. We're worried. Who can save us from these powerful gods? These gods are the same ones that gave the Egyptians those diseases and terrible sicknesses. Be brave, Philistines. Fight like men. In the past they were our slaves. So fight like men, or you will become their slaves. So the Philistines fought very hard and defeated the Israelites. The Israelite soldiers ran away and went home. It was a terrible defeat for Israel. Thirty thousand Israelite soldiers were killed. The Philistines took God's holy box and killed Eli's two sons, Hophni and Phinehas. One of the men who ran from the battle was a man from the tribe of Benjamin. He tore his clothes and put dust on his head to show his great sadness. Eli was worried about the holy box, so he was sitting there by the city gate waiting and watching when the Benjamite man ran into Shiloh and told the bad news. All the people in town began to cry loudly. Eli was ninety-eight years old. He was blind, so he could not see what was happening, but he could hear the loud noise of the people crying. Eli asked, Why are the people making this loud noise? The Benjamite man ran to Eli and told him what happened. He said, I am the man who just came from the battle. I ran away from the battle today. Eli asked, What happened, son? The Benjamite man answered, Israel ran away from the Philistines. The Israelite army has lost many soldiers. Your two sons are both dead. And the Philistines took God's holy box. When the Benjamite man mentioned God's holy box, Eli fell backward off his chair near the gate and broke his neck. Eli was old and fat, so he died. He had led Israel for twenty years. Eli's daughter in law, the wife of Phinehas, was pregnant. It was nearly time for her baby to be born. She heard the news that God's holy box was taken. She also heard that her father-in-law, Eli, and her husband, Phinehas, were both dead. As soon as she heard the news, her pain started, and she began giving birth to her baby. She was about to die when the women who were helping her said, Don't worry, you've given birth to a son. But she did not answer or pay attention. She named the baby Ichabod, that is to say, Israel's glory has been taken away. She did this because God's holy box was taken away and because both her father-in-law and her husband were dead. She said, Israel's glory has been taken away, because the Philistines had taken God's holy box. 1 Samuel chapter 5 The Philistines took the sacred chest from near Ebenezer to the town of Ashdod. They brought it into the temple of their god Dagon and put it next to the statue of Dagon, which they worshipped. When the people of Ashdod got up early the next morning, They found the statue lying face down on the floor in front of the sacred chest. They put the statue back where it belonged, but early the next morning it had fallen over again and was lying face down on the floor in front of the chest. The body of the statue was still in one piece, but its head and both hands had broken off and were lying on the stone floor in the doorway. This is why the priests and everyone else step over that part of the doorway when they enter the temple of Dagon in Ashdod. The Lord caused a lot of trouble for the people of Ashdod and their neighbors. He made sores break out all over their bodies, and everyone was in a panic. Finally, they said, The God of Israel did this. He is the one who caused all this trouble for us and our God, Dagon. We've got to get rid of this chest. The people of Ashdod invited all the Philistine rulers to come to Ashdod, and they asked them, What can we do with the sacred chest that belongs to the God of Israel? Send it to Gath, the rulers answered. But after they took it there, the Lord made sores break out on everyone in town. The people of Gath were frightened, so they sent the sacred chest to Ekron. But before they could take it through the town gates, the people of Ekron started screaming, They've brought the sacred chest that belongs to the God of Israel. It will kill us and our families too. The people of Ekron called for another meeting of the Philistine rulers and told them, Send this chest back where it belongs, then it won't kill us. Everyone was in a panic, because God was causing a lot of people to die, and those who had survived were suffering from the sores. They all cried to their gods for help. Okay, first chapter, about Samuel's family. Elkanah, the man who would become Samuel's father, seems to have been a devout man in a time that many people were far from God. Remember from our time in Judges how many times we were told, there were no kings in the land and people did whatever they wanted. Well, Elkanah made regular trips to Shiloh to worship and offer sacrifices. He was a Levite, which is the tribe from which God chose priests. But as Abraham and Jacob had done, he took two wives. This was not God's ideal plan, and as had happened with these two other men, Elkanah found that this is not the way to a peaceful house. Go figure. One wife, Beninah, was hard on Hannah because Hannah was childless and probably also because she knew that Elkanah loved Hannah more. So Hannah cried out to the Lord, asking him to give her a son, and she made a vow to him that was just flat-out remarkable. She told God that if he would give her a son, she would give him back to God. How many times do we make promises to God in times of desperation, and then when the crisis passes, we forget our promise? I'm ashamed to admit that I've done it. But bless her heart, Hannah did not. Once Samuel was old enough to be weaned, she took him to Shiloh to fulfill her promise. Now, as a father of three sons and grandfather of four grandchildren, soon to be five, I'm excited about that, I can only imagine the grief I would experience if I were to give up one of my children or grandchildren after caring for them for the three years it's thought that Hannah had Samuel in her care. But Hannah remembered her promise, and she loved God enough to trust that he would see to Samuel's welfare. What devotion and faith this woman had. Now let's talk a little bit about 1 Samuel 3 and 4. Let me first say, sometimes I think the so-called modern translations just go a bit too far in trying to simplify the language. In chapter 3, verse 3, there's the phrase, the holy box. Well, in the original Hebrew, it's called the Ark of Elohim, Elohim was one of the Hebrew words that is translated into English as God, and it's the same word used in Genesis 1, verse 1. In the beginning, Elohim created the heaven and the earth. The ark also has another name in the Bible. Hebrews 9, 4 tells us the contents of the ark, in which there was a gold jar containing the manna, Aaron's staff that budded, and the tablets of the covenant. And so now we know why it's also called the Ark of the Covenant. So, can we just not call it the holy box? All right, I'm a cranky old man, I get it. So, in commenting on chapters 3 and 4 here, I'd like to share with you what F.B. Meyer wrote in his book, Great Verses Through the Bible, about Samuel and how God called him that night while he tried to sleep in the temple. Here's what Meyer said, And the Lord came and stood and called as at other times, Samuel, Samuel, Meyer continues, See the urgency of God. Four times he came and stood and called. Mark how he stands at the door to knock. At first he was content to call the lad once by name, but after three unsuccessful attempts to attract him to himself, he uttered the name twice with strong urgency in the appeal. Samuel! Samuel! This has been called God's double knock. There are seven or eight of these double knocks in Scripture. Simon! Simon! Saul, Saul, Abraham, Abraham. Continuing Meyer's comments, how may we be sure of a divine call? We may know God's call when it grows in intensity. If an impression comes into your soul and you're not quite sure of its origin, pray over it. Above all, act on it so far as possible. Follow in the direction in which it leads and as you lift up your soul before God, it will wax or wane. If it wanes at all, abandon it. If it waxes, follow it, though all hell attempt to stay you. We may test God's call by the assistance of godly friends. The aged Eli perceived that the Lord had called the child and gave him good advice as to the manner in which he should respond to it. Our special gifts and the drift of our circumstances will also assuredly concur in one of God's calls. We may test God's call by its effect on us. Does it lead to self-denial? Does it induce us to leave the comfortable bed and step into the cold? Does it drive us forth to minister to others? Does it make us more unselfish, loving, tender, modest, humble? Whatever is to the humbling of our pride and the glory of God may be truly deemed God's call. Be quick to respond and fearlessly deliver the message the Lord has given you. That's good advice. Have you felt the call of God on your life? I have. The most memorable one for me was when God called me to begin the LifeSpring podcast. I told you about it on the 17th anniversary show. My experience then was as real as Samuel's was, and it affected nearly every aspect of my life. And I'm so glad I listened to God's call that day. If you've experienced something similar, I'd love to hear about it. Comment on the show notes page at lifespringmedia.com slash... S12E78, or email me at steve at or you can comment at comment.lifespringmedia.com. Tomorrow we'll be in the book of Psalms, and we'll read chapters 33 through 35. Oost. On this date in church history, November 16th, 1828, Timothy Dwight was born. He was an American congregational clergyman and was a renowned New Testament scholar and served on the revision committee of the American Standard Version of the Bible. And on this date, November 16, 1946, the Church of the United Brethren in Christ and the Evangelical Church merged to form the Evangelical United Brethren Church in Johnstown, Pennsylvania. requests. We don't have any new prayer requests today, so please, if you have something that you'd like us to pray with you and for you about, go to prayer.lifespringmedia.com and submit your prayer request there. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we praise you today for who you are, our God, our Redeemer, our Creator, our Rock, our Shield, our Provider, and so much more. You're worthy of our praise, Lord. You are everything we need. We thank you for calling us. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you that you never change. We thank you that you are eternal and that you made it possible for us to be with you in eternity by sending your Son to us. I ask you to be with each one in the LifeSpring family today, and I thank you for those that are listening now. Bless them and hold them in your loving, strong hands. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're not receiving the newsletter, I encourage you to sign up at news.lifespringmedia.com. Kirsty is now officially the official newsletter editor, and I just sent her some content that might interest you, some of which I'm not going to mention on the show for a few more weeks. But if you're signed up, you'll get it in your inbox this week. And let me remind you that your email address will never be sold or given to anyone else. I hate spam as much as you do. And please remember that I cannot do this show seven days a week without your support. If the LifeSpring Family Audio Bible adds to your life in a good way, please consider donating at lifespringmedia.com support. I know inflation is affecting us all and it can be difficult, but I need you to know that there are ongoing monthly expenses that have to be paid in order to keep this show coming to you. Anything that you can send is very much appreciated. Thank you and God bless you and tell somebody about the show. Share the show on your Facebook, Insta, Twitter, all your social media platforms. Encourage people to join you in this journey through the Bible. As you know, I closed the survey on Sunday night, and tomorrow I will share some of the uh, responses I got with you. Until tomorrow, may God bless you richly. Thank you for being here. I'm Steve Webb. Have a great day.